Welcome to Media Culture and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we use media theory to make sense of our everyday media habits, practices, and experiences. I'm Grant Latanzi. And I'm Stephanie Che. So, I got a new phone yesterday. Okay. Uh, it's, I upgraded from a 12 to a 14. I How's can't tell life? the difference. Oh, I can't no. tell the difference. But here's the thing. So, I go to the store for an upgrade, and I just kept thinking about how different for the, like, the first half of my life and the second half, how different this process has been. Mm-hmm. It used to be you'd go get a new phone and you might have to get a new number and then you have no contacts and you know, like there's the not Facebook really message of exactly like, text. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'd post on your profile like anyone, like here's my new number. And yeah. you hope that like maybe some people that didn't have your number before, like they might reach out to you and you're like, Hey, I got their number. Yep. <laughs> uh, and you'd like, you'd get an entirely new phone with a different graphic user interface and maybe some different features, a different, there might be a camera, it might be a flip phone, it might have a keyboard. Might have music. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I walk in and he was like, okay, what iPhone do you want to upgrade to? And I was, oh. I was like, what are the options? And thinking he was going to say like 13, 14, 15, some shit like that. And he was like, well, there's the 14 Pro, the 14 XL, the 14 Blue Blah Blah. And I was like, I'll just take the standard 14. Um... But I was just struck. I was sitting there in the store and there's like, there, I, I was there in the middle of the day. And so a lot of like retirees or elderly people were coming in and like, it sounded like most of them were getting the service they needed, which was good. But I was like, I, this must be really overwhelming for them. And then the other thing I couldn't stop thinking about was how like, I was using my phone. I was, at the time I was there, I was like texting Sophia about an apartment we wanted to tour. And I was texting my dad because he's the account owner and pays my phone bill still. I'm going to write that as long as I can. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I text. And then, so I was using my phone right up until the switch. And then for that transfer, I was kind of just sitting there. So I was thinking as I'm watching, like, I was like, this is effectively my right hand to navigate the modern world. Like, it's that crucial. I feel the loss of my phone similar to the loss of a limb for real Mm -hmm. in a very literal sense. And so I just got this new appreciation for like what a smartphone is. And I was like, this is my, my portal into the digital component of my life, which is substantial and, and integrally intertwined and integrated with the physical existence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just really brought that to the forefront for me yesterday. Boy, do I have a quote for you. Do you really? I got kind of angry this morning and I was like, it's a very good thing we're recording today. Great. Okay, so this is a New York Times article that came out like within the past like couple days titled, Tweens shouldn't be on social media, can smartwatches help keep them off? And it was talking about parents like, oh, I'm not going to let my kids have a phone until they're in like high school, 13, 16, whatever. And here's a quote that one of the adults said. I told my fifth grader that if she wants an iPhone, which many of her friends are apparently getting for their impending elementary school graduation, (laughs) she needs to convince me that she needs one. 
in the form of a persuasive essay. One that shows some age-appropriate understanding of how fortunate she is to have a smartwatch in the first place. A uh, quick thing of like, parents are getting their kids smartwatches so they can still like text um, their parents if they're at a friend's house and like be a part of friends group chats. But you, texting on a watch is so fucking annoying. Anyway, that's the context. And the last line is, so far she's got nothing beyond so-and-so got one, which isn't very persuasive. And I wrote in all caps and I was screaming in my head that it is persuasive. It is persuasive enough that like, if you're in a social group and everybody has a phone connecting them outside of school except you, you are not included in that social circle. You are cut out of conversations. You're cut out of like games and like media they might be engaging with. Inside and, like, jokes. And, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's a critical component of a social group. Yes. Like saying that so-and-so got one isn't persuasive. It's so wrong. It is the most persuasive thing that you can say. And also you're in elementary school. How much more persuasive like can you yeah. get? Like, <laughs> yeah. Especially like. Yeah, it's like, okay, so my peers have this, like, this has started to be integrated into our social sociality and our mm -hmm. social practices. But it is crazy that that happens so early. Yeah. But I wonder, like, how it could be any other way. Because yeah. if you're, you know, like, when you're growing up, a lot of, the point of education and the things you do is to be a citizen one day. And there's a huge component of that now that is only digital. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I, God, I do not know how I'm going to approach that if I have kids. Knowing everything we know about online spaces and like social interactions, bad things on the internet, etc., you can't just be like, I don't want you being on the internet. Like, you can't do that. But at the same time, I'm like, I would rather you not be on the internet. Like, Yeah. Because I also wish that, like, I wasn't on it. Like, it was like, I didn't <laughs> yes. have to deal with it. Yeah. So, I think... Oh, God. Yeah. Media literacy. Wanna... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just have them listen to our podcast. Like, from I'm a young gonna, age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have them critique... I'll make them critics. That's what yes. I'll do. That's the best way to do it. Make them critics yeah. and set them loose. <laughs> and then they'll realize it's all bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and they can make that decision for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I guess, like, if... And this should be the ticket to ride for adults to use the internet, too, is you have to be able to see a message and say, what is this? Where is it coming from? What interests are involved? And those aren't easy questions to answer. Like, when you read a tweet that says, you know, like... I don't know, something about Ron DeSantis. I was just reading about DeSantis this morning and, like, the news coverage of him and how funny, like, it's completely shifted from, like, this, like, political force to this bumbling idiot in a couple mm -hmm. days. It's crazy. I still think he's, like, a scary individual because I think he, especially, like, have you read about his wife? No. She's been compared to Lady Macbeth. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, apparently okay. she's, like... <laughs> really critical to his operations and like him and her are an inner circle that like no one else is a part of uh anyways 
say I see a tweet about DeSantis, right? Maybe it's from a verified person. First, I have to know where did that verification come from? What all is that shit about? Especially now, like, does that lend any authority to what mm -hmm. is said? And then it's like, is it a journalist? Is it a, like mm -hmm. a commentator? Is it just a media personality? Like, who's saying this and why? Were they sponsored in saying this? Are they on some payroll for their content that they put out? Like... And then the platform itself, there's so many layers. And the device you're holding in your hand, like there's so many layers to it. Mm -hmm. And But then there's the, just the plain issue of like, we see a pretty clear correlation between this media use and uh, exploding mental health crisis. Yes. So what do I do about that? Because I don't think there's going to be any better, like, legislation or anything before I have Absolutely kids. Absolutely not. No. And, like, even if there is, it's going to be something stupid, like a TikTok ban. Like, that's not doing anything. Yeah, or it's going to be outdated by the time it passes. That, too. Man. And, like, what kind of legislation do we want? Like, Dana Boyd who I'll bring up later too. Were you at CCT when Dana Boyd was here? Mm -hmm. Okay. There was this one legislation. It was mainly about protecting children on the internet. And they wanted to like, essentially restrict kids from going on the internet because there are all these like sexual predators and like other predators and all of that. Yep. Which is fair. But I... Don't think that's the right way to do it because my thing is, why not like pass legislation to restrict people who are predators from like going on from, the internet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like instead of having kids, I, it, it's like that victim thing of like, oh, this might happen to you. So we're yeah, yeah you know? like it, it makes more sense to reload a gun than to shoot it at a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah. And I get like, that. A lot of kids, like public spaces, Dana Boy talks about this a lot, is I meant I meant I not... meant uh unload. Like not reload. Uh, yep, what? I got you. you. Load yep. <laughs> shot a gun once in my life. Like I really don't know. But um It's like when we talk about sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like physical public spaces are not designed for kids. So then they go online and you're gonna restrict them from being online because it's a space meant for adults, like Who's determining that? And, like, mm. why are we not just creating safe spaces for children or teens? And, like, I, I know this is, like, very hard to execute, but we're not passing the right or even attempting to pass the right sort of legislation. Mm -hmm. I think it has to do with, honestly, honestly, this is weird, but, like, there's so much really rich, wonderful theory about what this media that we use all the time is and what it does and like how it works. And it's completely ignored by mm. anyone influential in, yes. in a political sense. Like we are using spatial metaphor. Like people think of the internet, like it's a space that is so like such a, that's like all like the information super highway, like yeah. super tubular <laughs> worldwide web. Like that is old school shit. The internet is the ether. 
It is the ether that we can all gaze into with our digital arm. <laughs> and and the, it cannot be... Like, there's laws in the physical world to keep pedophiles away from children. At least the, one, the ones that get caught, which is also terrifying. Um, like, playgrounds. Here in New York City, New York has really... I've been... I've never lived anywhere with such impressive public resources or infrastructure. Mm. Makes sense from a very blue state. Um, but like the city of New York, just, yeah, like the, the things that are provided, I pit my taxes are really fucking high, but the things that I get for them, I really appreciate. So I see there's so many playgrounds and they're huge and they're beautiful and they're safe and there's they're fenced in, like completely fenced around. And then there's, benches for yeah. parents to just post up and it's it could not it could not seem safer mm-hmm. and so then you think like okay what if we go to the digital world and it's like here's where the kids can go and we fence them in but there but there's a disconnect between yeah. my physic like I don't have to bring my body into it mm-hmm. I can just ex- I can engage with it in a different way and so you can't like with YouTube, right? Like, I know that there's a huge problem with, like, keeping kids that mm-hmm. are in influencer families safe yeah. from... Yeah. It, it really is crazy, but just safe from pedophiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's... It's so weird. And it do- it just doesn't work the way that we no. act like it works. It doesn't work no. Click this box if you're over the age of 13 that shit doesn't work <laughs> yeah that's I had hilarious space when i was in elementary school I, I mean full disclosure who's been on 18 plus sites when they were like 14 yeah. 15 right like that is so normal and it happens because there's no way to stop me no because the way that the internet is governed completely misses the target of what it is and yet i can't get a job fucking anywhere to talk about this to tell them what's the point of having this degree and this research interest if we can't do anything about it but yell about it i feel like this is kind of related to what we wanted to talk about today but i'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about the territory that you were thinking when you pitched this episode yeah so the pitch was a move from collectivism slash community towards a sense of individualism and like the undertone language is going to be like kind of like religion facilitating it and tech spaces facilitating this now and so i have a bunch of stats about like the decline of organized religion, Christianity, and also like community spaces. And like, we're gonna talk about third spaces and tech being this like sanctimonious shit. Um, So yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That just let me, hang on, because I actually think I'm gonna get sociological with this too, which is exciting. book. Yeah, the reason I immediately thought to grab this classic sociological theory book when you said that is because we're dealing with some pretty fundamental shifts in like personhood and how we connect to each other. And I think like when I first started thinking about this type of thing, just like this area, 
I was I was kind of confused about the role of religion in it. I, I think because when you grow up in the 21st century, religion is often kind of on the periphery. And I didn't really appreciate that it was like one of the central meaning making and community building and like world shaping forces identity. for most of human history. Identity and yeah. yeah, identity and community and and again, like what things mean. Yeah. To me, like a lot of what I figure out, how I interpret what things mean, there's definitely religious spiritual components, but it's not, it's, they're not the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that you could argue that there are points in human history where like they were the same. So where do you want to start? So I split my notes into a couple of section of sections of religion, tech, enlightenment and the algorithm question mark and then community and gathering and so i want to kind of give an overview about religion and where we are and like the loss of social engagement if we can start there and give more of like a quantitative foundation of where we are right now okay so robert putnam he wrote Bowling Alone? Yep. Yeah, okay. Which is so, real depressing. <laughs> have you read it? Uh, I've read, I read, like, an excerpted version of it. Yeah, um, I read the, like, first article that yeah. that book is based on. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I read, too. I'm not, I don't think I could handle the whole book, to be honest. It's, like, 800 pages long. Yeah, I know. And it's <laughs> all sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... If I have my math right, he documented the loss of social engagement between the 1970s and 1990s. He wrote that attendance of club meetings dropped by 58%, family dinners dropped by 43%, and having friends over dropped by 35%. And so that was over a 20-year period between the 70s and the 90s. That's crazy. Those numbers are insane. 58% attendance of club meetings. Wow. And of course he like wrote about how like bowling leagues, you go and you pay for like beer and food and that like is profit for these like bowling centers. Yeah, alleys. big bowling. <laughs> big bowling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, there was that. And then in terms of religion, there has been a rise of I guess a demographic called the religious nuns and these are the people who do not claim a religious affiliation at all and so Pew Research Center reported in 2022 that 29% of the U.S. population are religious nuns whereas in 1972 only 5% identified as religiously unaffiliated. Wow did they have the age breakdown by chance? I think they did, but I don't have that number. I bet me. they did. Pew, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they can't yeah. survey kids, usually. No. And then additionally, 63% of the U.S. population self-identified as Christian, whereas in 1972, 90% identified as Christian. 90%? 90%. 90 to a drop to 63%. And like sixty three percent of the population still, is still yeah. a lot. And like honestly, I'm not <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised. I know. I guess I'm not. 
Where I'm from, Colorado Springs, very, very Christian. But I kind of forget living in New York where it's like so many world religions all Mm -hmm. represented. Like, weird. Uh, Yeah, and I think I also want to say like, I, for me, like, I really can only speak to America when it comes to this. And that is really, really tied to kind of the history of the the Christian church and Christian mm-hmm. belief. Yeah. And like our upbringing and mm-hmm. all the thing that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was like the number on religion and religious groups. Yeah, that's that's a really good way to start it because it's like there had we're always talking about like how things change as materials and technology change, but to really see like here's a and I'm not saying that this is like a cause and effect type thing, but mm-hmm. to be like there are differences in in the at like the actual amounts of interaction that are happening. Yeah. I also want to note, like, one big argument I kept coming across was that the internet is the cause of the decline of religiously affiliated people because they're, like, looking for their own things online and stuff like that. They said the same thing about television. Yeah. Again, correlation, not causation. Mm -hmm. And I have this quote, or I guess, like, paraphrase quote by Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud. Uh, they predicted in the late 19th century that atheism would follow scientific discovery and modernity in the West. Yeah. Horkheimer, yeah, and Adorno said something similar about secularization with mm-hmm. culture industry? Production? Yeah, one of those. I don't know. But I yeah. think, I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day, mm-hmm. and this has been theorized, but science has taken on kind of a religious quality yeah. in the public conscious. Like, science says, they're, like, this is what a wormhole is. Or, like, science says, like, you know, like, just whatever. Like, it, it's in the same way that it's a, a tool to interpret the things around me. Yes. It, I feel like science has like, it's filled like that sort of spirit void. And mm-hmm. in doing that, it has kind of become perverted. Yeah. And misunderstood. So tech is doing the same thing as in like, they're providing all the things that you would only really get from being in a church would get you so they have like community and like they're making work your religion and stuff like that and you are with the same people who believe in the same mission and you're all working towards like self-improvement betterment of the company and like you're getting free food and laundry service and like spaces to gather and organize and you can go around be like oh i worked in tech So another, like, possible reason for the decline in the religiously affiliated are, like, like we said, like, how we grew up and, like, church camps. But then also, like, all these things about sexual abuse and, like, not 
believing that all people are people and having horrible political views and their ties with politics like that also can correlate with the decline of religiously affiliated not just the rise of internet like <laughs> there are other reasons internet is not the only exactly and also yeah. what the internet has become is mm -hmm. in part influenced by those other things it's not mm -hmm. just the internet was inevitably how it is now that was a very involved process and it's mm -hmm. still evolving so something interesting that you've sort of touched on that this is why i wanted to bring in emile durkheim who is a very kind of one of the big three in classic sociological theory it would be marx weber and durkheim so durkheim looked at how not necessarily always pre and post industrial revolution but pretty much pre and post industrial revolution had two two different kinds of what he calls solidarity and we can kind of take that in like the everyday use like to be in solidarity with someone is to be connected with them or like affiliated with them in some way and to like have some sort of goodwill or maybe shared identity. There's lots of, solidarity is a tricky term in sociology, mm -hmm. but he distinguishes between what he calls organic solidarity and mechanical solidarity. So I'll read these quotes and the actual theory is a little dense, but this is from a reader that I had in an undergrad social theory course. And so I'll just read the notes explaining it because it's way simpler. Mechanical solidarity is typified by feelings of likeness. Mechanical solidarity, this is older societies, like pre-industry. <clears throat> Mechanical solidarity is typified by feelings of likeness. Mechanical solidarity is rooted in everyone literally doing or feeling similar things. It is typically characteristic of small traditional societies. So basically like in these sort of small, like think like, like tribal states or, or like nomadic groups, everyone's doing the same thing. Like we're all hunters, we're all gatherers, mm -hmm. we're all child rearers, we're all, you know, like there might be a healer and like some like other like spiritual religious breakdowns and like political organization. But for the most part, our lives are very similar and our experiences overlap significantly. I have an experience of like the hunt or something that is shared by maybe all men in the tribe, maybe by all people. And then there's this, what he calls organic solidarity, which is kind of like what is shifted to from mechanical, which it sounds like it should be the other way around. That's what he says. Okay. So organic solidarity refers to the type of solidarity in which each person is interdependent with others, forming a complex web of cooperative associations. In such situations, solidarity or a feeling of oneness comes not from each person believing or doing the same things as with mechanical solidarity, but from each person cultivating individual differences and knowing that each is doing her part for the good of the whole. Okay. So it's like we have now. Yeah. My elbow hurts. I don't know what that means. I'm going to go to the doctor. They tell me what it means. I take care of it. Doctor's hospital needs funding. They don't know how to write the proposal. I go, I write the proposal. I get them money. Like we each feel a very specific role in the material system mm -hmm. or like a mechanic, same thing. Now we're really only operating to do business. Yep. And our experiences no longer overlap to the same extent that they did when everyone was doing the same thing. 
in our society spans a whole planet. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it is so different. Is this kind of the area that you're wanting to talk about? Am I like... Yes. Bring, okay, cool. Yes. Of this shift of relationship with each other and community yeah. and... But I also think of like the role of work in life also. Like the fact that we have, we have such formalized, bureaucratized systems of work. Yes. That is not inevitable. That is not normal. That is not mm -mm. natural. Nope. But it's kind of necessary to do business the way that we do business. Yes. I fucking hate it. Mm -hmm. Talking about work. Let's go back to tech. Great. Carolyn Chen found Silicon Valley to be one of the most religious places. And if we are talking about the shift from like mechanical solidarity to like we are now interdependent on each other, that web of collaboration, and we are focused on economic relationships. Is that no, yeah, I, I think okay. economic is ex economic is exactly the right word. Yeah. And like we are no longer getting that sense of meaning making and community from the likeness of being one with each other but we are getting it from i lost my train of thought again no you didn't it's we're not getting it from the likeness we're getting it from the individuality from yes the distinction it's yes i these are the things that i like that make me unique mm -hmm. and that i do every day that no one else does and it's yes. like my self and my identity and kind of like my value mm -hmm is individualized as opposed to a collective thing. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to read a couple more quotes about work. Okay. But then I want to talk about Soul Cycle and CrossFit because I think it fits okay. perfectly okay. into this conversation. So Huxley wrote in a foreword for A Brave New World, the all-powerful executive of political bosses and their army of managers control a population of slaves who do not have to be coerced because they love their servitude. Dang. I gotta read Brave New World. Have you read it? I have not. I haven't either. It's been sitting on my shelf and like, I look at it every day and I'm like, I should read that. <laughs> That's how I am with Lord of the Flies. It's right over there and I'm like, will I read it one day? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Tans Bosted is the researcher that I'm about to give a quote from, but like Huxley, he wrote, if the most influential company in the world tries to keep its employees happy and healthy, it does so not out of generosity, but because it aims at the highest possible degree of economic efficiency. They are giving you that like feeling of connection, community, enlightenment, so you can help produce more profit. Produce, yeah. Like. Yeah. Not it's a It's a means to an end. Yeah. Yes. Like, it is manipulated connection? I don't. Sometimes I think part of it is, like, people want to make working for them seem appealing. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, you got to recruit people, but it also helps retain people. And then you don't have to go through expensive hiring and vetting processes, whatever. It's like, 
I sometimes I feel like companies are only doing that and like didn't do that before because now we can all talk about how awful working conditions are on sites like Glassdoor and Indeed Mm -hmm. and they got to keep their reviews good. Yeah. So I think sometimes I think that's part of it too. Like that's a case where I think I feel like the internet has sort of galvanized a discussion that has opened the closed doors of a lot of these very what businesses are at the end of the day are very powerful bureaucracies and they are mysterious and and like they have to report certain things but like who really is in a position to interpret those and I don't know it's yeah it's weird it's weird that like the place I go for work wants to like also give me a community and meaning yes and, but that and that's like a desirable thing because where else do I find it yeah I feel like that was very prevalent with the hashtag girl boss energy of the 2016 era but are we seeing the downfall of that with all the tech layoffs and post peak pandemic where we were like, oh, life does exist outside of work and we are all pieces in this greater machine and like. I don't know. I don't know like what's just me and what's like greater movements. Yeah. It's, it's hard and to like, tell. And like who I affiliate with and who my friends are and what we believe about the system and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on this before I move to Soul Cycle? No, I'm curious how that, I'm not. I'm not sure where you're going with that, so I would like to hear. Yes. This is one that researching is so much fun because you're like, what do you mean Soul Cycle fits into this conversation about religion? Mm-hmm. So there are Harvard Divinity School researchers, and they had a study called like How We Gather, and they were looking at, like the study suggests, how we gather. And they were looking at the decline in organized religion and like the ways modern millennials seek out meaning, community, and ritual in the absence of organized religion. And so when they were doing this research, their argument is that religion isn't dying, but it's changing. And people are going to fitness organizations such as SoulCycle and CrossFit. And this is a long quote, but I'm going to read it out. Okay. What you will see among young people is that they are indeed participating in communities and they are in communities that are some ways mirroring the function that religious communities have served. These are communities that are helping people aspire towards goals, transform themselves, and work toward change while holding each other accountable to make things better. They are inspiring creativity and inspiring people to find their purpose and mission in life. So we have that. And then I'm going to read something from Soul Cycle's website. They have a section called Vibe. Soul Cycle is a sanctuary for everyone who walks through our doors where tears will be shed, breakthroughs can happen, and the opportunity to make genuine connections is all around you. 
initial thoughts. Wow. Well, <laughs> now I'm really struck by their name. Soul you go for your soul. Cycle. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can see that. But I also think there's like the same sort of thing. Oops, I just knocked over a box of our supplies. That's fine. Oh. Um, I think. Oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Are you going where I think you're going? Of like, this is still for the individual because even though you're all gathered, exactly like, like it's you're doing still it for like it's still yeah improving myself mm-hmm. for what? Mm-hmm. Like, Why am not... I improving myself? I'm not trying to save my soul or no. like live by some divine code. As a group, trying to get not. yeah, trying to get trying to get abs <laughs> and feel productive and like, feel lean. Yeah, and like the fact that. I don't know. It's almost like everything tries to be a community builder because we don't have it. Mm -hmm. We don't have it. Yeah. And like tech companies do this all the time. Innovating the ways that we connect with one another by adding 30 people to a FaceTime call or like Facebook events and Facebook groups. But like tech companies are manipulating the way that we engage with each other. Like, mm-hmm. we can only engage in the ways that they allow us to. Mm-hmm. And it's not... I don't want to say it's not a community because a lot of people have found a sense of community on in online spaces. But, like, it's Maybe not... community is just not the right word for it. I don't think yeah. we have a word for it, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. um, it's still so new, historically. It's only been, what, like, in the past 20 years that we have really design like forums and reddit and tumblr and shit yeah yeah i mean just like the sheer like i think the metric is called internet penetration like that really didn't start skyrocketing until the i think the new millennium and it's been yeah the past 20 30 years mm-hmm weird i'm trying to think of other like other services like tech or soul cycle that sort of like pitch community and i think churches still do churches are still around (laughs) but i'm wondering like what is the role of religion now yeah i have a very specific experience with the Korean church system. Mm -hmm. And like, I have my own thoughts about religion and all of that. But what I admire is like what recently happened with my grandmother. My mom and my brother came up for my graduation and left my grandma at home. And we called her on the second day and we were like, oh, like, are you going to like the center or whatever? So you can like get out of the house, eat lunch, all that. And she was like, no, like these two people, like from one of their previous churches came and picked her up and took her out to lunch. How nice is that? Yeah, that is nice. And like churches have things set up for the elderly community. They come at a specific time and they learn how to use their smartphones effectively. I don't know. But they get lunches together. They do, like, 
English classes together because majority of elderly Korean people don't know how to speak English and yeah <laughs> that's very interesting because yeah because there's a church right down the street from me most of their signs are in Spanish but they like they have a, a pride flag and like all these signs that say like we are a kind and accepting church and like they have a, a food pantry outside and a community garden and it's almost like they're community service centers sometimes yeah like what the state kind of provides but with like three dollars a year yeah but then i also am interested in like tax exempt stuff Mm -hmm. uh because they don't pay taxes nope and also i'm interested in there's such an interest in occult things that Mm -hmm. has emerged like tarot reading and astrology And I wonder if that also has to do with like, and they're all very individualized. This is my future, my fate, my personality type, my sun chart. Yes. It's all about me as an individual. But it has this sort of spiritual religious quality of connection to something greater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of modern man in search of a soul because this is very much what Carl Jung talks about. And I'm also thinking about aggressiveness in advanced industrial societies. What specifically? Let me, me, I feel like I'm just going to pull up a quote and it's going to work. So let me pull up my notes for it. Yep. Shouldn't take me long because I look at them all. (laughs) That's why like main goal of reading quotes is like, they said it better than I could. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Over and above all, particular manipulation in the interest of certain businesses, policies, lobbies, the general objective purpose is to reconcile the individual with the mode of existence which his society imposes on him. That's, I think, what we're getting at is like, I don't know, it's, it kind of feels like it's like, I'm an individual now let me put all that shit aside, get the work done for nine hours, and now I can be an individual again as I rest exhausted watching TV and get ready for bed. It's like because my individuality is not of consequence. Unionizing. I don't... Uh Uh-huh. People don't want... Uh, their workers to unionize and they're limiting them talking to each other and gathering together in the workplace tale as old as time like like it truly (laughs) yeah um america's unions had a good moment i think in the last century but like i like a union who joins like that yeah you know like that sounds so old-timey. Like, you're at this workplace, but you're still so separated from one another. Yeah. But also, like, the other hand of what we were talking about with tech and, like, devoting your entire existence to your work and finding, quote-unquote, similarities with each other because you're all working and fueling, like, the company. Like, that's... It's weird. Mm-hmm. And people, like, when you start at a new tech company or something, you get all this swag. Mm-hmm. And you got, like, a water bottle with the logo on it and maybe a, a dry fit polo or something with the logo on it. And, like, it's kind of the same thing that 
we do in college. Like you have a Georgetown shirt on right now. Like it's yeah. kind of the same thing. Like we also, I think universities too. That's another one. Like they're always pitching like community, student life, like alumni network. Like mm-hmm. it's very much being plugged in with other people. Yeah. At the price of $60,000 a year or whatever Georgetown yeah. is charging now. Like very, very... I guess I haven't really noticed this before, but like the promise of community is everywhere, but it's fulfilled almost nowhere. No. Designed that way? Or maybe just not designed with it in mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's one thing to like preach about it, but another thing to like actually create the means for it. I just think that the concept of community runs against the grain of market capitalism. Yep. And then the minute community is made profitable by some sort of forum like Facebook, it's decimated by, I mean, a million things. Bad Mm -hmm. actors, advertisements, uh, private interest, like... Yeah. Uh, propaganda like it's really it's crazy that we it's just I feel like community is like it's also kind of a nostalgia like it feels like something that used to be there or it's sort of proposed as something that used to be there this is a I don't know maybe it's a myth go for it when was the last time you felt like a deep sense of community Probably in college, uh, I because I was a member of a BFA cohort, and so I took all my classes for four years with the same 30 people. Like, we were really, really tight for those mm-hmm. four years. And we were also all doing the same thing all the time, which enabled that. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly awesome in that regard. Yeah, I think that was probably... And, like, I feel more or less connected to different groups and different people and, like, yeah. different geographies, but... Again, it's all individual to me. It's all yes. like pulling little things here and there. And sometimes it's like, sometimes I meet people that I can tell their experience is so different than mine that I'm like, I don't even know how to talk to you. Yep. Yeah. I was on a career team for like all throughout high school. That was great. But like, you're in high school. Yeah, so that which kind of is a community own. too, because yeah. you're like you're with your peers and you're all going through this really dumb yeah. shit that's U.S. education. Yeah, <laughs> and like, but I'm mainly thinking about celebrity fan bases because a lot of people are like, oh, the community of like fans and like finding yeah, community fandom. online. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but it's still very individual to me. Yeah, it's also bringing in the culture industry. Like it's, it's not necessarily uh, like, I guess, egalitarian community. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're provided by this production company that made this thing. Yeah, you know. But also, like, it's. But then on the other hand, it's like I take taking it like a TV series or something I like, and then talking to other people about it, like, that is, like, nice, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. 
I also want to note that with tying this to religion, I feel like we should like throw something in there about like there are still very oppressive church communities and oh, like yeah. not Holy belonging cow, yeah. in church and like yeah. that's a box we don't have to open, but still acknowledging that like yeah, we have been tying this to religion and the community aspect that it gives and meaning making and identity, but like they're still very oppressive, like groups and big time. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's still a lot of religious people mm-hmm. that often I feel like like I don't think the church has a like a body the way that it used to be thought of. I don't know, like I don't know, maybe they're would be people that would say they find a lot of community in their churches still. I bet there are, but it's almost like, is that then the point? Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people who go to church on Sunday and then like, just go home afterward. Like they don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I think the main like idea of religion that I see is with like grandmothers. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about youth groups and like like young life, right? Like Christian youth orgs and what they provide. And like, I went to a Christian camp when I was in, uh, I think I was a junior in high school. The only reason I went is because my friends were going and Mm -hmm. it was on a lake. And it was basically (laughs) like six to seven hours of unrestricted free time in this beautiful lake in Minnesota with like zip lining and rock climbing, like all this cool shit. And then like every night, a little Jesus talk. And, um, yeah, just reflecting on that in through this lens, it's very strange because it was kind of like, felt like coaxing almost to like, just like, what is religion? What is the purpose yeah. now? Yeah. And what was the purpose then? Yes. Can I throw in another quote? Yeah. Sebastian Tanspo said, brought him up earlier. Greek mythology and religions addresses the human desire for a quasi-rational explanation of the world. Humans could gain insight into and even perhaps influence the forces at play in their world to make the world less mysterious and more understandable and more knowable. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I think science does that now. Mm-hmm. That It sounds like it, based on the definition. Like, if I want to influence some outcome, what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. I have to know about the material world. If I want energy, I have to know about how materials interact and physical things interact to produce energy. And, like, knowing how we got here... Uh huh. Health. Health. Like for a long, for a long time, medicine was religious. Still, like, it's, still, there are parts yeah. of it that are. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, why, like, why do so many cultures and societies that developed in isolation have sun gods? Right. It's mm-hmm. because there's this big ball in the sky that has like patterns that it behaves by, but also not, and like it's really important and it feels good on my skin, but also it can burn me. And like, 
oh wow, like what the hell is that? Like that would have been crazy. Or imagine seeing a solar eclipse, Ooh. not knowing <laughs> what that meant. Like, oh God. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of, it goes back to what we were saying about communication. Like is nature communicating? And this was in the last episode, like is nature communicating? Like what communicates? Like what, what has meaning? What signifies something and what doesn't? And like in the mind of God or the universe, what is significant? That's the thing that, that's why I, that's part of the reason I say that science has like displaced religion in some senses and, or in a, has taken on a religious quality is because it is what explains. It allows us to manipulate the world to great effect. I mean, look at nuclear power, right? Like, that did not come out of nowhere. And that, to me, like, think about that. We're harnessing the power of an atom. And now we realize we don't even know really what an atom is, but yeah. we can pull them <laughs> apart and get a bunch of stuff out. Like, it's fascinating. It's really like, and I think there's also, when you talk to scientists, a lot of them are very religious and theological or spiritual. Yeah. Like, because I think when you, when you really look deep or you get to like kind of like a high enough overview of science, you're kind of like, Oh, like there's a lot left to the divine or whatever. A lot that can't be captured. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Do you feel like crying today? (laughs) I feel like going to church. No, just kidding. Uh, I, I, Yeah, I do because, but I also feel like I don't even really know what I'm missing. Yeah. Because this is so, because this is all still so normal. Even when you sort of get to a point where you can step out of it and be like, this is weird. It still does feel normal to me my day to day. That's what we've grown up with then. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like crying today? Do you? I don't, I, I'm left like bewildered. I'm just struck by how, especially growing up in the US without much global perspective, like I'm struck by how just, yeah, how normal and inevitable the individualism that we all, that it just is there. I don't know where it is, but it's like individualism. It's the idea and like the importance of the individual. It's everything here. And I think like that comes out in self-help and stuff too, like in self-care and this weird like dichotomy of like, we got to care for ourselves sometimes, but work Mm -hmm. yourself into the ground other times. I feel like there's so many other ways that things could have shaken out along the way and so many things that can happen from here. But I, especially with AI and like another promising, another huge disruption in how we do work, like that's gonna, that also like relates to religion. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. And it also like, I've been exploring my relationship with myself a lot and sorry, you asked if I had any more thoughts. Apparently I do. (laughs) Uh, I've been exploring my my relationship with myself in therapy. And so a lot of that has been like, what is 
a self and what does it mean to be like authentic or sincere to me and where do those ideas come from so I, there's also sort of personal significance too and like there is a lot of joy that can come with expressing yourself as an individual i think that's mm -hmm. why people like tattoos mm -hmm. but not the only joy i think no. there's also joy to be found being part of a collective i'm thinking about fashion Mm -hmm. And this, like, willingness to differentiate from others and, like. You mean through dress? Through dress. And especially when, like, people are all dressing to the trends and people are like, oh, don't dress to the trends. Like, be different from other people. And, like, uh, I remember at Coachella, we had that, like, big Coachella fashion with, like, the crochet and, like, I feel like people know what I'm talking the about. The loose knit sweater. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this year, all of the, like, influencers went all out. But then, like, Kendall Jenner showed up in, like, a basic tank and, like, jeans or something. And people were like, oh, my God, that's not Coachella style, blah, blah, blah. And articles came out being like, why would the Kardashian-Jenner family dress like everybody else when they're trying to set them apart, set themselves apart from the rest of them? Because if they dress like them, you're putting yourself on the same level as influencers, which you are not, even mm -hmm. though they are. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah and like you're talking about it so it worked yeah that's exactly what she wanted when she put on that outfit oh 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 and like just the back to tech and like oh who has the latest innovative idea like who is gonna be the next person to do it like it's not it's about the person it's about you and yourself not like I mean, we do have research centers and, like, data centers and stuff like that, but, like... Yeah, but who listens to them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, like, look at how people think about... God damn, stop calling me. I get, <laughs> I've been getting dead-ass, like, eight or nine scam calls a day. It's a lot. I know. I, I, I don't know what to do because I have to answer them for work. And, like, I... Mm -hmm. And every time it goes... Hi, this is Kelly. And Kelly no. calls me every fucking day. <laughs> um, anyways, fuck. It, and it distracts me because I'm yep. a hummingbird. What was I just saying? You were um, talking about... Oh, the, look at the office of the president and how much it's become about the individual. I could give two shits about the person in office. I care about how they approach legislation. Like, I, I really, like... Not saying I want, like, even if Donald Trump was a good politician, I wouldn't want him in office because he's a shit stain. But, like, people look at the president as an individual and they're yes. like, Joe Biden did this, Trump did that, Obama did this. And it's like, not the president really can't do that much. No. <laughs> it's very much a symbolic office. And, see, like, seeing people think of a president as, like, a god king who can oh. snap their fingers and raise oil prices or snap their fingers and like raise the debt ceiling. It's funny. It's, it's honestly just kind of silly. Cause like, you don't really even know what a president is. Yeah. Donald Trump certainly doesn't. And I nope. don't think that helped. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, or, or with CEOs, like people are interested in Elon Musk as an individual when really Gross. he's not doing jack shit at Twitter. No. You know, like, very it's it's weird it's 
events. And such a focus on like people's life stories. And then you have like... The daily routine so you can follow them and be just like them. The daily routine, identity politics. Mm -hmm. Like it goes on and on. Entrepreneurship really. and like wanting yeah. to be the next Elon Musk. And mm -hmm. it's not about like group, com like company building. It's about me becoming an entrepreneur to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. We're never going to get jobs. Like, you and I, if anybody did a background check, like, <laughs> we are going to get jobs. Knocking on wood. That was we a joke. Speaking are, into the no. universe. <laughs> yeah. Because here's the thing. Like, there, are, I had a job interview where, like, outright, one of the people made it pretty clear that they were, like, a socialist. And they were interviewing me. Just talking about capitalism and, like, you know, that's capitalism. Like you got to do it. And I was like, Oh, like, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I think we could handle this. And I met with, I met with someone, I won't mention who, uh, we might have them on the pod and then they'll talk about this, but like they were saying that they, they are very accomplished professional, but in like market research and consumer research, but it's like you, you, there are many people that are battling with what we are battling with. Like, I don't think we're alone, but I think there's just not really any official forums to connect all the dots. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> any last thoughts from you? No. It just goes on and on, though. Yeah. I mean, and everyone having a, a page on the internet where I can go look at what you do mm -hmm. in, like, the cool shit you do. Like, that doesn't help either. Nope. And, like, just because you're all on the same feed or timeline doesn't mean that you're in a community. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost like my community that I experience of, like, the hodgepodge of people from throughout different times in my life that I still keep in touch with through social media a couple people from college a couple people from grad school a couple people from high school whatever whatever like people I met here and there that just we kept in touch for some reason or another it could kind of feel like a community to me because I know all the people but to, it's like if I invited all my friends to a birthday party but no one would know each other that's like my community but it's an individual community Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on Instagram at Media, Culture, and Why Pod, where you can share your thoughts, engage with us, and we'll keep you updated on new episodes. Join us next week where we'll unpack another part of our media lives. Bye. Bye. Seamless. <laughs> <laughs>